Before we get into today's podcast, which is Return of the Living Dead, one note, the new website is up and launched. Let's watch a bmovie.com. Go there. You can leave feedback, leave reviews, and Nick will send you random emails just complaining about his life. So That would be rude to our fans, sir. I think they may like it. Today we're doing Return of the Living Dead, a 1985 zombie movie directed by Dan O'Bannon, written by John Russo. Now, Nick, let me give you the history about this movie, a little bit of background, because it's very interesting. Both of us are big fans of Night of the Living Dead, uh, the movie from the 1960s, the first zombie movie from the zombie master George Romero, who's responsible for Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead. Well, if I remember, you actually like the remake better, the one with Tony Todd, not the yes. one from, like, 2000s. And that's a controversial take, because I hate remakes, and most people hate remakes, even people that like remakes normally don't like them more than the original. And the original Night of the Living Dead is indeed a classic. But if I'm going to go back and rewatch one of them, I'm going to rewatch the remake. Everybody's a fan. If you're a horror fan, then you at least have a high amount of respect for the original Night of the Living Dead. You know about it. You've seen it. You respect it. The first zombie movie, basically. So that was made by George Romero and James Russo. Now, James Russo wanted to go off and do his own zombie movies. So him and Romero basically had sort of parting of the ways. I don't think that it's sort of on bad terms, but in whatever legal battle, whatever they decided, Russo was allowed to keep the rights to the name Living Dead. And that's why Romero's sequels, Dawn the Dead, Day the Dead, dropped the Living Dead title. And Russo went and wrote Return of the Living Dead. Also did a novel, by the way, a novelization. There's a book of this before the movie. The, called Return of the Living Dead. Is the book its own story or does the movie take after the book? So the book is different. When they hired Dan O'Bannon to direct the movie, he had actually, he was the writer of Alien. Mm -hmm. So he basically took the script and modified a lot of it, rewrote a lot of it. So it has some key pieces from the novelization, but it's pretty different. And then after the movie came out, a new novelization based on the movie was released. So there's actually two books called Return of the Dead. There's some background stuff I'll get into that's from the book, actually, that's pretty interesting. So this movie is a brainchild of one of the creators of Night Living Dead. And also, that's probably why the movie references Night of the Living Dead. Feels now, familiar. Now, again, I don't know if they're on good terms or not, but when they went to make this movie, they did call Romero and ask him if he wanted to be a producer, mm. and he didn't return their calls. No. <laughs> so that maybe shows what Romero thought about the idea of Return of the Living Dead. It's definitely, if you look at the tone of Return of the Living Dead and the, the humor it has, it's definitely maybe not Romero's cup of tea. His zombie movies are more serious, I would say. Well, also, what's the point of calling someone after y'all just technically broke up and you got the legality of the living dead why would you then call the the man you just said you no longer want to work with at this point think about the time difference though this movie came out in 1985 night living dead was the late 60s mm. by the time they did return living dead romero had already went out and made his dawn of the dead which was late 70s so this is like literally like 15 years later that he's doing this so at that time maybe you know time heals all wounds maybe he was like thinking maybe romero's open to the idea of working with him again but when this came out the same year romero's day of the dead came out so they both came out this year. Maybe Romero was just too busy to answer a call. I think he was busy, and I think he also was like, ah, to hell with you. <laughs> Trying to make a mockery of my movie? Little did he know. Do you know how the movie came to DVD? No. Fans started a petition online for the movie to get released on DVD because it wasn't on DVD and fans actually started a petition. Enough petitioners came together and got enough signatures to where the studios took notice and made a DVD of it. So there was a big demand for it. I, I do wonder if this movie, um, how often it came on TV because there's a lot of stuff they would have had to edit out for TV. It did grow an audience on TV, so. 
Oh, I would have had to have because obviously not everybody's going to see this in theaters. Especially since, you know, some horror fans, they have genres they prefer. Some prefer slashers. Some prefer vampires. Now, speaking of that, it's probably safe to say we're both too young to actually have seen it in theaters. Theaters? Yeah. We, I wasn't Unless one of yet. us is a lot older than we're saying. Uh, um, no, I was born in 92, sir. Well, this is definitely before I was born also, although not, not too far off, though. So, as of as is custom, do you remember when you first saw the movie? It might be hard to place it. So I think it was on TV, on video. Yes, I don't remember the exact age and year, of course, but I want dates. Damn it, I'm just playing. <laughs> but what's, uh, what's wrong with your memory? <laughs> no, but my memory serves is I went downstairs to the basement where my dad was watching it, and no, I just sat down and watched it from one of the scenes at the very beginning and just watched it all the way through. Now, do you think you were watching it on like HBO or Cinemax or do you think it was actually like an edited TV version? It was the it was an edited TV version. I think he was okay. watching it at the time on Sci-Fi Channel. So I did look it up um, online and it was a part of, you remember like the Joe Bob Briggs Monster Vision mm-hmm. where he's hosting the movie and stuff like that on TNT. So it was on the, uh, the Joe Bob Briggs Monster Vision and on YouTube they have him hosting it, like just the scenes of him hosting and he actually interviewed uh, Laura, what's her face? Quigmire, Quagmire. Oh, Lynette. Nea Quigley. Yeah, she was interviewed on that. So it was like pretty interesting. It was like from the 90s. They're playing it on TV. Why am I not surprised they interviewed her? I mean, she was in almost every 80s and 90s horror movie back in the day. He introduced her as basically like a scream queen. Like she had been in a lot of horror movies in the 80s. She was what she was pretty much then what Danielle Harris is now. A bunch of B horror movies. That's true. And and also um, apparently researching online a little bit, she took off her clothes in a lot of 80s horror movies also. Did she you not, not see her sh- body? She was not shy about that. But I didn't know that was a thing in all all the movies she was in, but apparently like 70% of her movies, she takes off her clothes. That doesn't surprise me. No, it doesn't surprise me at all. I so, did see her in another movie, did Night you? of the Demons. Oh yeah. Wow. That's actually not a bad movie either. I don't, I actually don't think she got naked for that one. Oh. I can't remember. I saw that one on TV. So if she did, that was edited out. It was edited out. Yeah. I would, that's the thing I'm curious about the TV version of like, of how they would have played that scene on the TV version. They just would have edited it out. Cause that's it, a lot you got edited out though. Well, to be honest, not a lot of those scenes really made no real point except for her death. I don't know. Those cemetery scenes are pretty raunchy key to the movie though, because it's kind of like, there's a lot of scenes like that. And you got the music It's a showcase of the soundtrack, which is just an amazing. Soundtrack. Well, another thing they probably could have done is edit like little black squares to look like a bikini on her at the, during that movie. That would have looked corny, but maybe they did something like that potentially. Or just know. blurred it out. The thing is I haven't seen it on TV in a long time. <laughs> I think they've stopped showing it. Maybe on, maybe on the sci-fi channel potentially because sci-fi has the sequels. Mm-hmm. But anyways, yeah, um, but most of the sequels try to steer clear of nudity just because most of them are sci-fi originals. So the first time I saw it, I rented it on video, actually. Nerd. I think my senior year of high school. But you know what's crazy is? In this one time running videos, I rented Return of Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, and Evil Dead 2. And I saw all of them in the same weekend, which is crazy. Now Man, that I think back to it. You really wanted to watch some Deadites. They were all like side by side in the in the video store. So you saw all three covers and you're like, holy shit. And you kind of know like in the back of your head, like I think these are considered classic horror movies or something. So you got to got all three of them. Watch all three of them on VHS. And then find out Evil Dead didn't even really have zombies, but demons. 
Yeah, I don't think I could tell the difference at that point, though. <laughs> I was like, well, it's just another dead movie. and With a, with a damn skeletal face on the cover. Do you, when's the last time you remember watching it recently? Before now. Before now, yeah. To be honest, I think the last time I watched it before now was about five years ago. Okay. Just randomly scrolling channels, saw it on Sci-Fi Channel. I think it was about three years for me, so I do have it on Blu-ray. And so one thing on YouTube also, so for the audience out there, who uh, is interested, there is a documentary um, about the movie that's pretty in-depth. It's like an hour and a half, two-hour documentary about it. Longer Um, than the damn movie. I believe it's on YouTube. I forgot what it's called, but just search Return of the Dead documentary. I'm sure it'll come up. (laughs) Really goes in the behind the scenes and was a a good uh, information source. Also, Like how they created Tar Man. Tar Man. That man should have had his own series, his own spinoff series. Or like I'm going to start calling him from now on brains see i i can't get on board with that to you me you can't get on board with that because tar man sounds like a classic superhero villain name tar man yeah but seriously more brains yeah i mean he wants brains why you gotta call him brains because he's brainiac so i do love the soundtrack of this movie oh yeah they're like the classic 80s rock and you got the classic 80s rock you got that score. Mm-hmm. The score is fantastic that you get over the, the credits and the end credits. Yeah, this movie is definitely of the 80s punk rock age. And all the teenage characters are basically punk rockers in the movie. Except for the one character that you can definitely tell does not fit with this group. <laughs> Tina? Yeah. Yeah, you know, so... Um, Hell, even the one, the other guy that's in a suit, uh, he still looks like he could belong to him. Yeah, the rest of them look like they're ready to party, but she looks like she's ready to go to church. Right. It's a very good, uh, very interesting contrast between her and the rest of the cast. I always look for that. This was a problem I had with a lot of the Friday 13 movies, is that I always look at the group of uh, teenagers they have, and my biggest question is, would they actually hang out with each other in real life? Because sometimes it's such a mix mash that you're like, these people probably would not be hanging out, or they definitely wouldn't be going to a cabin together. Mm. So, Return of the Living Dead, it's like basically most of them, you're like, okay, this is definitely a click. But I then mean, Tina's kind of out of place. Literally. I mean, I can still kind of see the point because Tina was dating uh, one of their friends, Freddie. Maybe she is like just through association with Freddie hanging out with the group. Exactly. But if you take away that relationship. She probably wouldn't be with him. She's with her church mates, basically listening to Cindy Lauper. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. But it's funny too, because even though we see the, the punk rockers, it doesn't necessarily feel outdated. But I do wonder if like somebody with fresh eyes, like a 21 year old right now is watching this and being like, oh shit, that's what the 80s was like. It is a good kind probably. of product of the time. So. Right. Well, that may be what the 80s was like, but you know what? I still see people walking around like that now. Would you do? <laughs> Every now and then. Not a whole lot, but Not still. a whole lot. <laughs> I haven't seen, I have no idea what high school is like right now, but I just don't think it's like these. this group of ragtag punk rockers. Oh, no, no, no. There'll be punk rockers, but more modern punk rockers. You know, the colored hair with the bangs going over their eye. Nickelback fans. Yeah, pretty much. Look at this photograph, <laughs> and Bella made me laugh. I hate that song. Yeah. Although I hate it, but I'm strangely addicted to it. I just be opening up my eyes, waking up in the middle of the night. Look at that photograph. I'm through a standing in line in a club I'll never get in. All right, let me stop. All right, let's get into this movie. Uh, the opening scene, you know where it opens at? It opens at, you need a medical supply it's, facilities. To me, it's very non-stakes. Like, are you sure you're watching a horror movie or are you just going to end up watching a drama with this guy just giving out cadavers for a living? Wait, but did you get the name though? You need a medical supply. You need. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I did not catch that at first. That was actually, a, a very catchy name of medical place. You need a medical supply. 
So we get a little caption saying this is July 1984. And we that's why you thought it was 84 because the movie. It takes place in 84, but it came out. Most likely that's when it was uh, written and uh, actually filmed in. We open with our two, I guess you could say main characters. We have um, we have Freddy and Frank. And as you said, no stakes there. We don't know what's going on. This looks like a guy basically on his first day at a job getting training. Right, because usually when we go into a movie like this, there's at least like one, uh, an opening, a soft opening to show something's up. Like maybe, you know, the them actually bringing in the barrels full of these things or a death happening or something. No, this movie takes its time. It really gives us... We get the same tour of everything that Freddy's getting. Right. Now, I guess what they're maybe what they're trying to do is they're setting up the scene. They're setting up the, the whole setting basically so that later on we kind of know what this whole place is about. But yeah, at the beginning, it's a it's a full solid three minutes of him just explaining things that really aren't relevant and have no nothing to do with the movie really. So in between him giving Freddy the tour, we also cut to the punk rockers. They're walking down the street and- now. You said there might be people like this now, but one of them has a big-ass boombox. Like okay, a, a no clearly has, 80s boombox. Only poor people have those now. Those were the, the bomb you back in the day. You can't buy those in stores. Maybe on pawn shop you in the 80s. A, I was about to say, you want to bet? I can go to a pawn shop right now. The pawn shop the dude in this movie has is like 50 pounds. It's huge. It's bigger than his, his bigger than him. Oh, come on. It's just a Fresh Prince of Bel-Air boombox that he carried on his shoulder. It's fine. We meet our ragtag group of characters with cool names. We have Trash. I think what one's name is. Right now we got Spider and we got Scud. I I know, I know. I can hardly remember that Miguel Nunez was Spider. (laughs) Oh, Scuzz. We have Scuzz. Yeah, Linnea Quigley's trash. Yeah, so we meet our, our group t- group of ragtag characters. Now, also, we then also cut back to Frank telling Freddy about the whole thing about the the army fucking up and delivering these uh, these cans or whatever to there. So this is our first we get our first mention of basically Night of the Living Dead. Right. Because Frank the- is telling Freddy like, "Hey, you remember that movie Night of the Living Dead?" And they point out that, "Hey, yeah, that really happened, but." Not not exactly the real story. They kind of made up some things. So we find out basically the army has delivered some cans by accident to this. You need a medical supply. And Frank is like, hey, you want to see it? Frank's like, oh, no way. So they go down to where the, the cans are at. And this is the first hint. There's some lines here where you get the first hint to me that this is like going to have some comedy to it. Um, so... One thing is like he asked him. He's like, he's like, hey, these these cans don't leak, do they? And Frank is like, no, this was made by the the Army Corps engineers. Hits the thing, and boom, yep, leaks. the toxic leak <laughs> happens, which reanimates the body that was in the storage we see earlier. Yeah, there's a lot of dissing of the army here, basically, because the whole thing is basically the army's incompetent in this scene because they, first of all, they drop the things off there by accident, but then also allegedly, allegedly. Well, how did he get them then? So allegedly, it was an accident. It could have, for all. We know the army could have been thinking of some master plan to test something out at a small town where there's not going to be many casualties. That's true. That is very true. So one thing, one background I want to give on Freddy too, because this was in the novelization. So Freddy in the novelization is actually trying to remove himself from his group of friends. So the 80s punk rockers. Yeah, he basically, he's gotten this job to try to get his life together. 
Which is weird because some of them actually seem like pretty good people. Actually, to be honest, all of them do. To be honest with you, maybe. But you can see what they're trying to come except to- trash. But think about this: they're trying to they're trying to come to get him to party. Who knows what partying entails for them? That could be maybe drugs. We don't know. We don't really get to the, see that what their party is. We see some of that in the cemetery coming up. But so he's trying to get his life together. So they don't really show that in the movie. Basically, it was kind of written out of the final script. But it gives us some background about him just being in the wrong place, wrong time, trying to get his life together. Gets a job at the wrong damn. You need a medical supply. <sighs> All right, now now we got our opening credits once they hit the canister the smoke is uh, toxic whatever is leaking out everywhere and now and we, now we get our stakes of the movie now we get our stakes we get this random army guy as you said which is a uh, very at the beginning i'm like uh this is kind of weird be honest it's still completely it's still completely out of place even knowing what happens with this character it's not developed enough i feel like if you're going to show him here then keep showing Throughout, him throughout little tidbits of the movie. Yeah, exactly. Um, basically, he reveals in the scene essentially that, you know, they're aware that the cans have been are lost and that they're trying to find them. Right. And that's why he has all that stuff in his cabinet, which and, his wife does not approve of. Yeah. And I don't think in hindsight, I don't think you need the scene mm. because it doesn't tell you anything that you already don't know. We already know that they messed up. We know that, you know they're mistakenly at the, the clinic there. We know now that they're, the thing, everything's leaking. We really don't need to know that, oh, yes, we're aware of it and we're looking for it and blah, 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 blah. So that's, it's kind of, um, it is kind of out of place in the rest of the movie, I would say. Mm. But mostly, 9% of the movie is gonna be focusing on our ragtag group of teens and our ragtag group of zombies. Yeah, so let's go ahead and leave the general alone for a while and get to probably, I don't know about you, but this is the dumbest thing I would ever do is go and have a party in the graveyard. Why would you? Why would anyone do that for one? You know, it's so funny because this is a product of the times because in the movie, they get there to pick up Freddy and she's like his girlfriend being honest like, hey, if you guys show up to his job, you're going to scare the boss and maybe cost him the job. So they're like, when does he get off? He gets off at 10. That's two hours from now. Right. You got to kill two hours. Now, was this not information she should have told them earlier? They would not have even been there had she told them that. That is very weird. And I'm, I'm sure she was already herself going to pick him up or something. It just, it's very odd. Like she was hanging out with them and they came up with a plan like, hey, let's go get Freddy. But isn't that already her plan anyways? And like, also, and again, why didn't she herself go, okay, that's fine, but he doesn't get off till 10. It's like, okay, let's go do something until then. Yeah. Now. Instead, they drove all the way there to pick up someone who doesn't get off for another two hours. Well, it's funny, too, because they do sort of exhaust one of their options. The guy in the backseat's like, he's telling Suicide, he's like, hey, let's drive around or something like that. And Suicide's like, I don't have gas money. Do you have gas money? It's like, okay, well, these, okay, establish these, these people are broke and probably don't have jobs. Well, we could have honestly seen that just by looking at their car. Yeah. <laughs> look, I mean, hey, 2020, everybody's got smartphones. You can kill two hours pretty quickly on YouTube, right? 1984? Hey, go play in the cemetery. Maybe it seems like a way to kill time, so. And then, but the cemetery obviously does not have a caretaker because it is so dirty and, yes, it's a cemetery. You, It's outside, but come on. Someone cleaned the damn place. Yeah, you know, I always wonder, like, and when you go into a cemetery, like, are you trespassing or is everybody just allowed to walk in the cemetery? Uh, theoretically, you could be visiting a grave. 
Well, what for, the rules are for that? For the most part, the rules usually consist of there are visiting times when the cemetery is still closed. Okay. So there is a closure time, and usually that's when the gates are shut and locked, and only the caretaker can be on. And the caretaker's job is pretty much picking up trash, making sure no one gets on this in the cemetery property. So they're 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 there about at about eight o'clock at night. So I wonder if they're technically trespassing or if they would be allowed to be there. Well, so here's the weird thing. 10 o'clock, 8 o'clock at night, and yet the sun is still high in the sky. Yeah, I was thinking maybe this is like... it should. I was thinking it was it, 6 at first, to be honest with it you. It is. They do have a caption that it's July 1984. So July is the time of the year where it does get dark the latest. So we'll give them the benefit of that. It's not like a total contradiction. Um, and then... But 8 o'clock, it's high in the sky like it is? At the very least, it should be having a reddish tint to it at sun set to be fair though pretty quickly the movie turns to dark right it's only the first 20 minutes that are in the light of the daytime once they're in the cemetery it pretty quickly does turn to night essentially it's like the director's like uh they said it was eight right are you sure we should have daytime out here yeah this feels like a movie that probably the whole thing should take place at night right it just feels like a nighttime movie so the daytime scenes are a little bit out of whack and one line i want to say was funny was scuzz as they're going to the cemetery he actually says he's like you know i've never known anyone that died because like they're pretty much they're like what do you want to do he's like oh yeah he, i want to go in there he's like you've never seen a dead body before it's like i've never known anyone's opposite him saying that's like whoa he's in for a long day right. <laughs> you've never seen someone that died buddy boy you're for a long you're in for a long night yeah um the 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 whole graveyard bit is like whose idea has ever been to go into a graveyard for a party in real life not not a horror movie well that's what i'm saying we're talking about you were like, well, you know, why would Freddie want to distance, distance himself from these people? They seem like nice people. And they're the kind of people that party in the cemetery at night <laughs> randomly. I'm like, maybe Freddie doesn't move on from this group of people. So. Uh, you got a point there, because guess what? Gra- graveyards have a lot worse than just zombies. There could be werewolves. You could have vampires. You could have a crazy-ass caretaker that looks like Jason Voorhees. You never know what's in those. Well, that is true. That is true. And, you know, someone's we, always digging up Jason. Tommy, right. Tommy Jarvis could be in that bitch digging up Jason that very night. Nah, Tommy Jarvis is too busy trying to get a job at Unita. Yeah, maybe that's his twin brother. I don't know. Uh, maybe Freddy's is Tommy Jarvis's twin brother. Nah. Um, one thing I noticed too, when they get to the cemetery too, when they're driving in general, the whole area around the Unita Medical Supply area, the whole street seems abandoned. It's a very empty road they're on. You don't see any people or anything, any cars, anything on that road. So wherever this medical supply place is, it's like on the outer outer edges, skirts of town or something. It's definitely like an abandoned place, it seems. And hell, we don't even meet one of the characters until halfway through the movie, and you didn't even know this character even existed because, as you brought up, the whole area looks abandoned, so why would we expect to see a mortuary across the street when we've already seen across the street? It looks like a lake view. Yeah, now this is going to... This might be a stupid question, but do all cemeteries have like a mortuary, like side by side? In that uh, good-sized cemetery, yes. Okay. Because that, that makes sense. We have the cemetery. That makes sense. Like, okay, what would be next to that? Probably not a unique medical supply place, but a mortuary at least makes sense with the cemetery there. So oh, yeah. I can, I can, quick quick transport. Because some really good-sized cemeteries, you're only allowed to go maybe five miles an hour down those roads because you got oncoming traffic half the time. Yeah. Yeah, so it could take a while to get this get the body from point A to point B. So we cut back to we get back to Frank and uh, Freddie, and they realize that basically because they find a little dog thing that's actually alive. <laughs> right. So they actually toy the idea of calling the army, but Frank is like, "We don't want the army assholes around here." So they decide to call the boss, Bert. 
Played by Clue Golgar? 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 Now, I'm dead serious. That's his name. You now, we have uh, we have some Friday 13th actors in this movie, but Bert is the father in Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2. He did not look like it. Well, <laughs> it's a um, it's a thankless role in uh, Night of the Dead Part 2. Um, but, yeah, that's him. That's Bert. Uh-huh. We got a couple of alumni from Friday 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street. And I'm sure Part 2 was actually after this movie, so believe it or not. He would go on to star He looks so much older in this one. I don't know. He seems like such a better actor in this one. <laughs> right. <laughs> Maybe oh he's giving, he's working with a much better script, I guess. Than yeah, sure well. So, um, so he shows up, and now we got the the damn cadaver. cadaver. Got the damn cadaver. The, yeah, it, and the credits is literally known as Yellow Cadaver. Yellow cadaver. The funny thing about this scene is where he's standing in the back, basically, as far away as possible, and they open the door and the damn thing comes straight to him. Right. Love it. But this is also where the movie has a fun thing about, again, establishing one of the new rules as far as brains, because it establishes new rules from Night Living Dead, because they get him down on the ground, they take an axe to his brain... And he doesn't die. And he's which, still like trying to get up. He's still trying to get those brains, those nice, tasty pizza brains, as you once called them, actually. Yeah. And and Frank is like, it worked in the movie. And and Freddy's like, you mean the movie lied? <laughs> so they're establishing basically that, hey, what you saw in Night of the Living Dead was fiction. We're setting the rules. We're establishing the rules. Which is, what you thought you knew about zombies, you didn't know. Which you'd think they would, Frank would know that, considering, in fact, he already just mentioned that the movie was a crock of shit compared to the actual event. Yeah, absolutely. But still, I think that's... That's how people are in real life too. Like if you if, you, if we met, if zombies took over right now, I hope we would be like we'd be like, hey, well, what worked in the movies? And we would try that first. And if it didn't work, then we're like, oh shit, the movies didn't, the movies lied to us. I think it's actually true to life what, what happened there. Well, for me, I hope if we do get a zombie invasion, it's the ones that can still be killed by being hit in the head because what? And these hope, zombies fucking scare me. I also hope they're the slow walking ones from um from the from Romero series. <laughs> um. Yeah, so I mean, I think that I like a lot that the movie is establishing its own rules. That's not a slave to Romero's Dead trilogy, even though this is the co-creator. They're they're gonna do. It's telling us they're gonna do their own thing here. New rules. Everything you know about zombies out the window. We'll establish the new rules now. Um, now, that said, they got a big ass problem. Our characters have a big ass problem because we got the cadaver. They cut it up into pieces, and that's where they get the brilliant idea to take it to. The mortuary. Yeah. And then we get a random strip tease. Oh, yeah. So this is, <laughs> this is what we were talking about before with the television version because in our ragtag group of characters, um, the character Trash is what she's called. Yep. Randomly strips down to nothing. Well, no, she's still wearing her stockings. There you go. And proceeds to dance around the cemetery. Butt-ass naked. With a great-ass soundtrack playing. Now, you know, the 80s is all about the grat- gratuitous nudity shots and all that, so this movie plays into that. And this character, as we said, this actress is very comfortable. At first, it just seemed completely out of nowhere. Like, she was just randomly talking about a night, her nightmare, and all of a sudden, next thing you know, it's like she didn't... It was not planned for her to get naked. It was just rip. It's like, okay, well, this is happening. Up until that point, I feel like she really wasn't developed as a character at all. We don't really know anything about her. Except for her nightmare now. And now this... Yeah, she likes being naked. And speaking of her nightmare, that was something about being attacked by old men. Being attacked by about 15 to 20 old men, uh, them ripping off her clothes while eat, devouring her alive. Gee, I wonder if that's foreshadowing. I wonder. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, the cemetery scenes, 
listen, I, I get that we have to pan the running time. We have to have them do something while we're developing the other story. Eventually, the stories are gonna come together. But right now, we need them to be doing something entertaining in the cemetery. And they decided not to just have them be playing charades or playing tic tac toe. So yeah. we're getting some naked dancing and some random music playing in the cemetery. Still a great ass soundtrack though. So I don't mind much. So now we get to the mortuary for the real story. And they've already, they've cut up the body so it's easier to transport. And Bert is asking Ernie. Bert no. and Ernie. Our yeah, characters. Bert and Ernie. What the hell? Now this this is a lot of little like fun things in this movie, but that's <laughs> if that isn't just perfect, Bert and Ernie are are our two characters. Right. So Bert asks Ernie for a favor, and Ernie tells him, "Well, I'll do you this favor, but it's a pretty big favor, so you gotta do me one in return later." By the way, the lead of this is hilarious because. <laughs> He's basically, he's like, well, okay, what's in the back? He's like, rabid weasels. Right, which makes no damn sense. Like, it makes no sense. Everyone is going to be like, well, call animal control. Yeah, but what's funny is that uh, when, they, when it suggested that, you know, let, you have a crematorium, um, Ernie is like, he's like, you want to burn them? That's cruel, man. You can't burn them. But he immediately takes out a gun and is like, <laughs> Let's just take them out back and put them out their misery. Yeah, but that's not I, as cruel because he'll still burn them, but they'll be dead. So they won't I, feel I the know. pain of the burn. I know, but it's still just funny. He immediately pulls out a gun. It's like, hey, let's just go shoot him in the head. Like, um, the way they played it, it was so quick that he turned from sympathetic to, nah, let's go shoot him in the head. I'm st- You're still being sympathetic. No, I would, would you rather be you killed didn't li- first? You didn't find that funny? I was laughing my ass off. Would you rather be killed first, then put in the fire, or just be thrown in a fire alone? Yeah, off? no, no, but you're missing the point. That's, that's hilarious that I thought he was caring about animals, animals in general. No one's going to care about weasels. He was so sympathetic. He was like, he said, you can't burn them. That's cool. And immediately, where the hell did that gun come from? He pulls the gun out of his pocket. Well, like, Let's go shoot him dead. Bert why scared he, him? Why does he have a gun in his pocket anyways? He's a mortuarist. What's he needs, do that? What's he needs that? a gun. Why? People want their dead bodies. Duh. <laughs> Have you not seen Bad Boys 2? Ridiculous. Um, no, I thought, I thought it was hilarious because just like, okay. Uh, uh, Bert, Ernie the animal lover, but he's ready to shoot them then. So, but anyways, that's a big ass favor. I, I think, I'll be honest, if a friend came and asked me that, I'm probably going to say no. I'd probably still say yes. I'm like, yeah, sure. And Except for if he knew what they were going to get into the minute he burned that body, I doubt he would have. You know, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And this is an example where characters think they're fixing the situation, but they're making it a lot worse. Yeah, they, they paved, it was paved, it was with good intentions, but they paved it in blood and brains. And a lot and, of brains. And toxic army gas. Yeah, because as the gas is released after burning the body, it then starts raining, bringing the gas chemicals all the way back down to earth, to the soil. Which, unfortunately, this soil is in a cemetery. Yeah. Which, funny thing is, my wife's like, well, if the, since they can't be killed, would just burying them work? I was like, watch this scene. Yeah, you know, I got to say, this is one of the better zombies coming out of the grave scenes. Right, because one, you actually get to see the zombies, like, digging upwards and then finally breaking out. It's like, there you go. Do you really think burying was a good idea now? Now, what's with the bad luck of it happening to rain at the same time that the, the toxic gas is projected into the sky and then it rains it down? Plot device. Plot device <laughs> like a mother trucker. That's what I was Because notice how there was, it was completely clear skies. Not to mention, how did it get from dark to gray not that but i felt bad for the naked girl that damn rain must have been coldest like well the, the <laughs> rain be burned un- imagine being naked the damn rain came down remember when they finally get to the car she goes what is it in this rain it is burning my skin 
It's acid rain. Yeah. It's zombie rain. Toxic yeah. rain. Yeah. Damn so, it, trash. Now they put themselves in quite the pickle. Yeah, because now the car won't start because it's out of gas. No, I'm talking about the bodies come out the grave, not the car. Well, the bodies technically haven't come out yet. And they are starting to come out now. Yeah, very slowly. So. Because digging through six feet of dirt still takes some time. That's true. The movie does a good job, I think, eventually bringing all the characters together, but they're still kind of separated right now. And they do sort of split up a little bit. Once the zombies come out, our teens basically run off in different directions and do different things. But we should probably get to the introduction of your favorite zombie. Tarman! Yes, because... The Legend of Tarman! Because at some point, Tina did eventually break off from the group before everyone got... Before the rain even started. Was she going to find Freddy, I think? Yes, she went to the Uneda... That's a solid girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Went to Uneda to find his, find her boyfriend. Because she needed to find Freddy. Right, and then it started to rain, so she went in to get herself out of the rain. Well, then she keeps looking for... Her boyfriend, which you'd think with a medical supplies place, she would know, hey, maybe there's certain areas I cannot go for fucking reasons. Yeah. And then all of a sudden she just goes into the basement. And there lies Tarman. So. And to show the dominance of Tarman, we have to have a sacrificial lamb. One of our ragtag group, one of our ragtag teenage characters has to fall victim to my boy Tarman. And sadly it was suicide. Yeah, and, he, and that name is on point because he basically sacrificed himself. You'd think he would have at least put up a fight because when you look at him, you're thinking, okay, this guy probably could kick some ass if needed. Let's think back for a second <laughs> to the plight of suicide. His friends don't like him. They only call him when they need rides. Everyone he's, thinks he's just playing at a game in a sense. Yeah, he said himself, this clothing, man, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a life, no, it's a lifestyle. It's not for shits and giggles. Yeah, it's a lifestyle. And then he's the one that goes in the basement and is heroic and brave trying to save Tina. And what happens? Gets a piece of his brain eaten out. Well, to be fair, he does save Tina. Yeah. I didn't hear a thank you from her. <laughs> the character no, she was too busy away. going, ah! Yeah, I'm just saying, can we take a moment and give some acknowledgement to suicide? The man was done terribly wrong in this movie. And you know what? He didn't even have gas money. To, he didn't have money to put gas right, in his you're car. Right. Everyone, pauses now. Give yourself a moment of silence for suicide. And now we're done. Okay. <laughs> Wasn't even a moment. Through that, our characters once again get separated. And But we should actually go back to, um, for, to Fred, Freddie and Frankie, who are now paramedics have come on the scene because they've been feeling sick. Yeah. They're breathing in the toxic waste thing, Majigger, so. Well, yeah, but first I do want to bring up something. You're running from a situation. Instead of running to the car that y'all already sat in, granted we already found out it doesn't work. But uh, why run into the cemetery instead of maybe the opposite direction? Well, again, I think it's funny. I think that and then may the maybe this is a good continuity because they established early on, like I was saying, that whole road area seems like an abandoned part of town. But I'd rather run Without a towards the town, not back to the cemetery. Yeah, but maybe it's like, maybe say it's like, let's say hypothetically it's 10 miles out from town. 10 miles. You're going to run 10 miles? You're damn fucking right I am. If it's to save my life. Listen, if you hide in the cemetery... The zombies may think that you're a fellow zombie. And then you can just blend in. You just gotta walk First, around. You gotta walk around saying, Brains. No, they'll know it's you if you don't, you know, cover yourself in zombie goo first. Yeah, alright, we'll take some soil off the ground, but put on your head and just go brains. Zombie goo, not soil. Alright, you gotta take out one zombie and then use his intestines for zombie goo. Well, good luck taking out one zombie. This ain't the walking dead. They don't die with headshots. These zombies are freaking indestructible. Yes, they are. Holy hell. Uh, freaking Batman would have a problem with these zombies. See, right? to me, the, this is the very reason why I do say scary zombie movie. <laughs> Again, you 
it's one story with Night of the Living Dead. It's one story with Resident Evil, Walking Dead. Those zombies are still killable. If they come at you in a horde, then they're dangerous. I, I would this. I agree and I disagree. I agree with part of it. Scariest zombies in a zombie movie, but the movie itself is not the scariest. Well, if it didn't have comedy to it, it probably would be one of the scariest. Yeah, but that's definitely not the tone they're going for. I can't say it's more purely scary than other zombie movies, but the zombies themselves, which would become like the trademark, everything they're doing here is basically used over and over again. The zombies themselves are pretty scary, except when they're saying brains, because that voice is a little bit cheesy when they say that, but... More brains! To, um, so now we get our paramedics coming in to investigate the Frankie and Freddy, because they're not looking too good. And, and come to find out... They don't have a pulse. They don't have a pulse. They're not breathing. They're, well, yeah, they don't have a pulse. Their temperature's room temperature, meaning they're dead. They're not generating any body heat. Yeah. And rigor mortis is that in. Yep. So the paramedics decide they're going to take these two to the hospital to do further testing. Well, that, zombies. That goes well. Yeah. Zombies get them. Yep. Zombies get them. And this is going to establish a whole, the whole, maybe my favorite part of the movie, the fact that these zombies are going to take out everybody who tries to come help these people. One of them goes out to the paramedic to find out what's, to find out what's going on so they can get both these two to the hospital themselves. And then they see a zombie eating at a paramedic's brain and then start, puts the paramedic down, starts chasing them. You think the zombie's going to get up and all of a sudden it's just running. <laughs> it looks like a freaking midget just running. It was hilarious. That's right. I remember that. So, paramedics gone. Yep. And now we call the police? No, because the zombies radio for more paramedics first. More paramedics. Yep, because they hear the radio going, so the so one of the zombies goes up and goes, more paramedics. So, these zombies are indestructible, and they're intelligent. Intelligent enough to get brains, Smart yes. Smart enough. Oh, yeah. So, that's... They need brains. <laughs> Do they really, though? Yeah, and we'll eventually get a brilliant explanation as, as to why, but now our teenage characters, some of them join in with our... We start to merge the stories together now a little bit. Basically. Right, uh, you got two characters ran to the Uneda, and then you got the uh, the rest of them running towards the uh, mortuary. We have Spider, Tina, and Scuds are our three teen characters that come in the mortuary. To be honest, I don't now, know the other two that ran to the Uneda. No, I think Scuds is one of the guys... Scuds and his girl are the ones that are off doing their own thing. Okay. Our three characters that come to Mortuary are Spider, Tina, and Chuck. Yes. We think his name is Chuck. Maybe or maybe not Chuck, but we'll call him Chuck because that's what IMDb, IMDb says his name is. <laughs> I don't think his name gets said that much in the movie, but... None of their names. Characters. No, everything else. I heard. I, heard, I did hear Scuzz, for sure. Um, and also, um, and, and Trash, what happened to her? She, got, she ended up staying in the cemetery when they break up, and she gets killed by 20 old men so, eating her alive. So we had some Nightmare on Elm Street here where her, her nightmare came true. Exactly. She gets taken out by 20 men, based 20 zombies. Yeah, but yet... What, tell us about your problem with the whole thing. My problem is, so when you see some of these paramedics that actually get eaten, half their head is gone because the zombies are eating their brains. So they ate half the head to get to the brains. This girl gets attacked by 20 zombies... And what, did they just give her one little love bite and walk away? Because her head is in pristine shape. Her body is in pristine shape. And no, no dirt, no blood, just pale. What did they do to this girl? Because they didn't eat her brain. 
there's a big question here. I'm not sure if it's ever answered. Does everybody get converted into a zombie or do some people just die? Well, these the people who had their brains completely eaten, they just had to have died because they have no real way of getting back up. Like, it's not like suicide came back as a zombie. Right. But she does. Exactly. So, it's again, she was attacked by 20 zombies. There's no way she should be perfectly intact. Right. So, that, that's just my... I'm sure a lot of people are just like, well, they wanted more Linnea Quigley naked in this movie. Even though they gave her really weird demonic face and her zombie transformation. I kind of liked it. There's a scene where she kills a cop. Mm -hmm. And her Her, face before she bites him is crazy. Not only that, but her mouth just opens so wide to get to him. It's like, what the hell? I don't have a problem with the effects in the movie. Everything looks pretty good to me. But there's certain continuity issues that you know probably should be overlooked but i can't so paramet more paramedics come zombies eat them so when do the cops come cops uh the cops actually come the third time when the dispatcher says hey there's two paramedics out at this location that have not returned and they're not answering our calls isn't there a send more cops thing too yes there was after they killed the first set of cops one of the zombies goes back into the car picks it up and goes send more cops drops the mic and goes more brains more <laughs> brains yes it's doing a, a good job so far of when it needs to turn on the horse turn on the horror but there is the comedy also when things are funny i am laughing pretty hard everything with frank and and uh, freddy is pretty funny so far so also now uh kill off chuck because now we get our uh female zombie pulled him out and bit him in the head and he comes back in with the zombie still on his head and ripped her in half because she's a skeleton another sacrificial lamb but we had to get an interesting autopsy examination of the zombie because we got to find out some more information we get some good exposition here because the zombie reveals why they want brains brains pretty much help them avoid the pain of death it stops the pain and that's crazy allegedly that's pretty deep and pretty interesting because you could say at that point borderline you might be able to be sympathetic with the zombies because if they're literally going through this torture that only stops when they have brains anybody in that position is gonna want more brains oh yeah so they're seeing brains like we see painkillers water i was gonna say but in your case (laughs) painkillers you you got it Uh, why why would we need water Water doesn't stop pain sir let's say when you're thirsty water keeps you alive and what exactly what i'm saying is they're seeing brains like we like us being thirsty and eating to some hydration and yeah, it's called mountain dew yeah okay well i'm gonna just say water be to be on the simple side but yes <sighs> they see brains simpletons like, they see brains like you see mountain dew <laughs> they can't live without it and you can't live without your dew so yeah but if i don't well i guess if i don't drink dew i do feel pain <laughs> because yeah. of the damn withdrawals you definitely would would uh if, if someone's brain their skull had like leaked out mountain dew you would bite into their brain to get that Mountain Dew if you had to. You'd know it. Can we just have the, the Mountain Dew as blood and have it a hot redhead? That sounds disgusting. As, as blood? Oh. Yeah, as blood. I can be a fucking Mountain Dew vampire. I don't even I don't even catch up because I, I hate how it looks. It looks too much like blood to me. That's why I don't even catch up. Ooh, Code Red Mountain Dew as blood. Ooh, all although, the redheads would be although, having an issue. I'll eat barbecue sauce. That actually probably looks more realistically like how actual blood is because it has the... Depends on how you're cut, actually. Believe it or not, depending on how you're cut depends on or you know how deep the cut is depends on the color of the blood how right. dark the blood is all right this is too morbid all right let's move on <laughs> <laughs> what are we talking about let's just hit some fine points and wrap this up all right frankie kills himself frankie i think goes out in a very honorable 
way. Yeah, he knew he was, what he was turning into and said, nope, not for me. Think about how bold it is to burn yourself in the crematory. Oh, yeah. That, the, that's not an easy death. That's not mm-hmm. an easy suicide. I don't know. Unless you look at Pumpkinhead, I think, four. Uh, the whole movie, he sounded like he was in pain anyways. Though. Entourage of cops was eaten by a whole horde of, demon, of zombies. Yes. So this is, the, this is the thing. This movie is building up to these zombies being impossible to take down. Oh, yeah. And just, just the sheer number of them, and individually, they're hard and, to stop. And not only that, but these zombies waited as an ambush. You didn't. These cops did not see them until, all, until it was too late. The only thing I can equate it to is imagine 100 Jason Voorhees running at you, attacking you. What do you do against 100 Jasons? So, interesting, though. A couple things happen that are very interesting. One thing is that Freddy finally starts to turn into a zombie and actually is going after his girlfriend now who's been a pretty good girlfriend throughout the movie but now Freddy's trying to get her brains right so we get that thing that mm, is pretty interesting going on we get uh, Spider and Bert decide to head out to a car and try to rescue them although they just end up driving away yeah where they ended up uh, going just across the street and they crashed Uneda. And they united with our other characters that were there at That Uneda. no one really knows their names of. And, um, yes, that's true. Zombies end up killing the whole bunch of cops that set up the barricade. Those cops were useless. Oh, well, yeah. Continue the trend of cops being useless in horror movies. These cops really didn't do anything. And then we finally get Bert giving in and calling that number that was on the barrel. You know, it's so funny. So, what, what, so would this all have been resolved if Bert... And Frank, when they first got that missing shipment delivered there, if they responsibly just called the damn number and said, hey, it's here. So to be honest with you, this is what I feel like he this was, was orchestrated. He was, ad- he was adamant about not calling them at the beginning of the movie. Right. But they could have maybe avoided but this whole situation. To be honest with you, this is why I feel like the army actually orchestrated this. It wasn't a mistake because when they finally make the call, the... Well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I've, that's hard to believe that it wasn't a mistake. They just stored it in random ass medical supply place and wherever this place is. It was a experiment. They, oh my god! The general, when they finally called the general, notice how nonchalant he was about it. Especially finding out, oh, now it, everything's going on. He even goes, and you didn't call a center. Oh, okay, that makes sense. That's the thing. Maybe it's let's say it's orchestrated. I don't think they wanted to get to that level though, to where the whole damn town is. Well, no, there. they were probably expecting this person to call when it first when it first opened up. But still, then but, but, finding but, out. But but, but but here's where that doesn't make sense. Is at the beginning he's complaining. He's saying, "Yes, we're aware that they're missing." He's like, "Yes, we're looking for them." He and that first scene he establishes that they're missing and they're looking for. Or they that's don't not want a plan. They don't want everyone to know. Then they have this whole plan of what to do when it actually comes out which is nuke the area but think about what would the purpose be of, of having it they mentioned there. that this was supposed to be a test to use against our enemies this was supposed to be a new biological weapon in the very beginning i get that i just think that somewhere along the way the sacrifice that has to be made for that to happen might be too much for the army to sign off on maybe a small town Probably not. So basically, as you said, now they're finally going to call the number. And the response is pretty matter of fact. Yes. Okay. You didn't call sooner. Okay. Very nonchalantly orders then this town to be nuked. Yes. Okay. Now let's go back to what I was saying though. My point is, had they called before it leaked and the general's like, oh, it hasn't leaked. If it hasn't leaked, you think he still nukes the town? No, because to be honest with you, if it doesn't leak, they just call the number and be like, then the army guy would be like, okay, well, we'll send someone up to pick that up right away. Don't do anything with it until then. That's why I don't think it was a plan because 
They don't know if they're gonna hit the damn thing and leak it or not. They, for all they know, things are just gonna sit there in the supply plant for the next 30 years and nobody bothers them. Everything could still be a matter of fact. It could just be, you know, they sending it to a unknown medical supply and be like, okay, these people really want money. Maybe they'll do something, maybe they'll keep it and do something stupid. If not, we just go on to the next target. I'm gonna go with the, the actual explanation in the movie. This is just the army screw up. They screwed up, and now this is them fixing their mistake by getting rid of everything involved in that. Mm. I mean, both both ways to me still feel plausible for the movie to work. I don't love this ending because at this point in the movie, it, you know, it's been an hour and a half, but it, I don't necessarily feel like the ending feels like it comes pretty quick, though. It comes pretty quick. It still, and you don't really get a sense that it's even coming in the first place. Most movies, you feel what the ending's going to be. This one, because we only get two scenes with this guy, we don't get any sense that this guy's even going to be part of the real movie. Or that they're even, what the plan even is. Basically, it feels like the movie has no climax. Mm. It feels like you're at a certain point, and now it's time for the big ending, and there is no big ending. It's a very nonchalant phone call. Really bad, phonetic, alphabet, oh my god. <laughs> a so, very enthusiastic army person be like, yes sir, absolutely sir, right on sir, it'll be done before breakfast sir. I'm fine with uh, enthusiastic uh, petty officers. Enthusiastic killing of a whole town? I'm not fine with how Badly, they seriously they used the words hot dog to represent H and rhubarb to represent R. That is not the phonetic alphabet, sir. Hotel represents H, Romeo represents R. Go fuck yourselves. That said, even though I don't love this ending, it makes well, more, it still makes a lot of sense. We have to acknowledge that if, if we think about it, the damn zombies have been built up as indestructible. I can't think of any way to end this movie. How how do we get these characters out of the situation? I can't figure out a way. They're surrounded. They've they've, they've eliminated all options. The, no one's coming to save them. The police aren't coming to save them. The military they're not going to send a, a, a ground for people with machine guns. Even anything any kind of ground attack would probably be eliminated by the zombies. Oh yeah. So so this is not this is not a great ending, but there's really no other solution that comes to mind to end the movie. Maybe it happens too quickly, like you said, without the buildup. But, and also, the good thing about the ending is it does, again, put us right back to... Square one. Yeah, the rain, the smoke, the toxic stuff coming back down. Even though they use the exact same shot from the beginning. Yeah, they might have ran out of budget right there because... They just show the same shit again. I feel like the ending was them running out of budget. It's like, okay, we need to end this, but we don't have any more budget. And let's just use the stock footage of a boom. Yeah, I think they ran out of money. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, but anyway. <laughs> All right, now now we can get to our overall thoughts. My overall thoughts is characters were definitely actually, were still fun to watch, even though some of them made some stupid mistakes. Some of them uh, felt underutilized, and some of them just got downright annoying. As one thing we forgot to mention was Tina. She seemed likable at first, seemed like a good friend and good girlfriend up until the ending when she just got, I don't know, she went into so much shock she got stupid. She just ended up crying and whining the whole she second She pretty much became the lead female role of the original Night of the Living Dead who whined and cried the entire movie until she died. Did you notice at the end that Ernie looked like he was about to shoot her in the head? Yeah. They kind of hinted that he was about to just put her out of her misery. Well, to be honest, it wouldn't have mattered. <laughs> so the way we were feeling our annoyance must have been heightened for him because it looked like he was about to right. <laughs> just put a bull in her head and then probably take himself out too. Right. But, uh... Still, so character-wise, that was okay. Could have been better. Could have been worse. Actually, we've seen worse. As for atmosphere, much worse. Yeah. As for atmosphere, 
it was a great atmosphere. It definitely set a good tone up for the whole movie and the stakes we were about to endure. The zombies effects were great. Uh, some effects were better than others, but you can only do so far with so little. Overall, I'm honestly going to give this movie a good old three out of four. Anytime Nick gives a three, I'm amazed because he's a very tough critic. To get a three out of Nick is like pulling a damn root canal cavity tooth out of someone's mouth, all right? Pretty crazy. So it always says a lot when he gives a good rating. Unless he's grading musicals, then he grades on a curve where he gives it three and a half stars on my list. So. His his undying, un, his undying silly love for musicals aside, he's a very tough critic. Only Repo. Never watching that, no. Yes. Um, <laughs> it'll be a cold day in Repo hell before I watch that movie. Um, so let me say this. I'm going to just piggyback on some of his points, my real thoughts. The characters, I think, are developed enough. The first half of the movie does focus more on characters. Maybe not so much the ragtag group of teens, but we do get a lot of time with the adult characters. And that's really who the movie's about, is the adult characters and Freddy. But the teen characters are almost like the side characters, so them being the side supporting characters, they get enough development for me. One interesting thing about the movie is that while they were waiting for the FX to be made for the movie, they had a lot of delays in the filming, so they had the actors rehearse scenes, almost like a stage play. So there was a lot of rehearsed, rehearsal of the scenes. I think that's why the, the chemistry between the actors is really good. Like all the conversations, the dialogue, it's much more rehearsed than you would get. Like the level of rehearsal is way more than a typical B movie would have. Like the acting here, the dialogue, everything is way better than your typical slasher movie or typical 80s horror movie. So they had a lot of time to rehearse. So that, I think that's reflected well. And the movie tone-wise, it does a great job. It's so hard to pull off horror comedy. We just saw this with Vampire in Brooklyn, how hard it is to pull that off. Usually they lean too far into horror or lean too far into comedy and you don't get the right balance. I feel like this movie got the, the balance pretty good. Did a good job of having, as Nick said, the zombies be scary, but still having comedic moments along the way. The characters do funny things situationally, but the characters themselves never become farces or parodies. Atmosphere, great. Soundtrack is amazing. 80s rock music soundtrack. I'm getting all the music from off of YouTube tonight, now that I think about it. Yeah, there's some blunders there. Like I said, the ending's a little bit rushed, comes out of nowhere. Some of the cemetery scenes are somewhat pointless, and they did use the same damn footage at the end again from the beginning, but I'm gonna give it three stars also. The thing about this movie that stands out is the rewatchability. You can watch this movie once a year and still be entertained. And it's because of the performances, the acting, and then the cultural impact of the movie. So many things zombie-wise are established here. Running zombies, the first time you have running zombies, the first time zombies are obsessed with brains. That's all comes from this movie. So you gotta consider like almost like a, a zombie pioneer, like one of the most definitive zombie movies you can find. So if you're into zombie movies, you have to watch this movie. Even if you like, even if you just like Walking Dead, you have to watch this. One interesting thing, one thing I forgot to touch on, I wanted to bring up was the character Ernie from The Mortuary. So there is a um, there's a background to his character. The director talked about that didn't make it into the movie, but it's still hinted at. He was psychotic. No, the background for his character which you have to kind of look hard for the hints there, is that he's actually a Nazi in hiding. He had no German accent. Ah, but think about this. When, um, when they first come on to him, basically, apparently he's actually listening to German army music. Also, he's running a crematory. That's one thing as well. There was some German artifacts. See, I don't know if they put them in the movie, but in the store, they were going to have German artifacts in the background also. It was basically the... The evidence that would overwhelmingly point to that was cut out of the movie, but the director said that's supposed to be his backstory. They just didn't put enough to make it obvious, 
But if you go back and study everything about his character, there might be some clues there. Well, to, to be honest with you, I can kind of see why. Because then, at the if you're trying to make him look like a Nazi scientist, German scientist, but you make him such a likable character, a lot of people are going to take offense to it. He's in the crematory. He's listening to German music. I don't know. Maybe he's just a fan of uh, Nazi Germany. I don't know. But can you give us a crypt people laugh? Maybe. Good evening, boils and ghouls. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>